Welcome to the Global Connection, a Tel Aviv University podcast. Journey with us as we discover how TAU's academic community and friends are engaging with and helping to shape this ever-changing world. Hello, everyone. I am your host for today, Dr. Anna Sajeki. I am a refashioned academic, a refashioned journalist, and a refashioned Canadian. And what do I mean by refashioned? Well, I really believe as individuals, our experiences of places, people, knowledge really shape who, are, who we are. And that is essentially what the podcast is about. It's about those global c- connections that spark new ideas, keep us learning, and, and help, help to shape understanding. So with that, I am very, very excited to introduce two very special guests today who are here at Tel Aviv University and in the studio with me um, in part of a celebration of 70 years of diplomatic relations between Mexico and Israel. And so we have visiting us today, uh, Jose Luis Punzo Diaz, who is a faculty member with Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History in the, hopefully I get this correctly, uh, Michoacan department? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good, good. Um, And I I read that you're also the previous director of the Museum of Northern Culture in Pakime, Chihuahua. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Thank you. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Thanks to you for having you here. Thank you. And we are also joined by Andrea Garza, who is also from Mexico, though currently she's a part of the Ancient Israel Studies Master's Program at TAU. And if I understand correctly, is turning her sights towards a PhD in anthropology. Yes. Well, PhD in archaeology. Okay. See Amazing. Very, very excited. I, and again, I'm so excited to have both of you here. Uh, bienvenido. <laughs> gracias. Anna. Muchas gracias. So um, I would love to start with just knowing a little bit about, you know, we all have our passions, what we get into. I feel like archaeology is a field where, you know, there, there's a passion that probably draws you to it a little bit. So, so can you tell me a little bit why both of you were drawn to and chose archaeology? Yes, sure. Well, you go first. You have more years in this, huh? Okay, well, <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, for me, it was like a kind of a decision that I made since I was a very little kid. Because, you know, my grandfather uh, loves history. He he moves exactly from Michoacan area into Mexico City. He had to migrate over there because, you know, have, having more better job and everything. But uh, when I born and, and I went with him, he always told me histories. He, he never read me, you know, like uh, an, an, a normal uh, tale of uh, whatever. She, uh, he always uh, gets a history book and start to tell me about the importance of the, uh, of the indigenous groups that came from Michoacan, and all the greatness that they have and how they fight against the, the, the city in, in, in Mexico City. So I always have this in my mind. So when I was a very young kid, I, I knew that I want to do archaeology. And finally, uh, with the years, I, I, I get into Michoacan. I, I did exactly that that my grandfather told me when I was a little kid. So for me, it's incredible. Hey, so from your grandfather to you to yeah. the future, which perhaps <laughs> includes Andrea as well. Yes. Well, for me, um, well, when I was a kid, I wanted to study maritime biology. 
Okay. Something completely different. And I wanted to do things related to animals. But always, like I always liked history and the way my mom told me the stories and told me the history of Mexico. And she also told me the history of uh, Troy, Elena, Elena de Troya, Aquiles, like all these stories. She told me this in his own um, charming way to explain stories. And I was like, oh, sounds interesting. And then, um, so slowly, slowly, I tried to, my interest went into history. But I didn't want to do only history because history, you are reading what others wrote and the interpretations that other people uh, have of the past. And I don't know how I heard about archaeology and the way you interact with materials findings. And actually, you are the first one when you are doing excavations, you are the first one who is approaching to the past, to that material finding, and that finding has a story to tell. And I wanted to do that. Actually, like archaeology is uh, basically like a time machine, if you know how to use it wisely. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. It's a time machine. And I feel like if it were a time machine, it's one where you kind of touch a particular object, right? And yeah. then it'll transport you into whatever different time. Exactly. Um, exactly. Can you imagine who was the last person who was buying bread in a random town in the Galilee? And you are carrying that coins. You say, wow, these people could have been in trouble, was hunger, or it was like the salary and it was saving it. Could he buy breath or whatever so I really like to think about the person who was behind the material the object yeah absolutely yeah so how much when you go into a new project a new dig I'm not sure if digs a technical term mm -hmm. anymore or well yeah, yeah. it could be or excavation <laughs> excavation okay. yeah, yeah. there we go <laughs> how much prior knowledge do you tend to have and how much of you you're there and you're discovering things and you're you know, you're, you're really, you are, you discover this new object and you're, you're trying to bring it together in your mind and think about what it possibly could be. How often do you have those surprises? Well, I think uh, that's one of the most fabulous things in archaeology. You, all time, of course, when you do uh, scientific excavation, you have to have your questions in mind. You have a lot of pre-work done to try to figure out what the things you expected to find, but you never know. No matter how much technology you use, how, how much uh, cool things uh, you are using, but always when you make an excavation, you will find totally uh, something new, something that amazed you. So that's one of the, I think, one of the most incredible things in archaeology because every time you do a new excavation, you have a new thing and you have to rethink what you're supposed to uh, find. So it's an act of imagination, I think. And archaeology, it's an act of um, imagination all the time. And you never know for sure, uh, not what you're going to do, you know, if it's what it's next, because it's like a big puzzle. I, I always said, you know, it's like archaeologists, if you have like a, a big puzzle and you have only half of the of the pieces 
and the other half are throwing away their dirt and then mix it with another tent. And then you find one piece and you try to figure out what's the image that it's in the puzzle. And then, but, but you never have all the puzzle. So always you have to do imagination and think about these people that lives in the past. So it's a really incredible thing to do. I have to admit, when I've done puzzles, they usually are the older one where you have a few pieces yeah. missing and yeah. you're trying to put it together. You're like, where is that one? What does it mean? <laughs> um, but, but then I'm sure you both have a lot of puzzle pieces from your different projects. So what, you know, what's one puzzle piece that really stands out for you, that, that one thing that you worked on that you're really, really proud of um, so far? <clears throat> well, well... I don't know, like one artifact that I say wonderful, uh, I do not have one in mind, but what I have is the relation of different artifacts that told the story. And that is the thing that I really like because, yes, I can find a beautiful uh, basalt vessel and it's wonderful. You have it there. It was in the excavation. But what with it? Uh, what is, why was that vessel there? And the story behind it is the one that I super like. So going into your question, I think that my greatest um, understanding of, of my greatest uh, discovery by understanding material was the, um, so right now my MA, my, my thesis MA is about <clears throat> the pottery that was produced possibly in the Genesar Valley. And the greatest discovery for me was that we thought that the cooking vessels and the tableware that was found in this site of Magdala in the north of Galilee, we thought when many years ago, it was thought that this cookingware came from another town 13 kilometers north. And with my research, I found out that it's, they look alike, the, like the pottery that we have in Magdala look alike uh, as a pottery from this faraway town, but it was made in a different kiln and it was made by different hands. So for me, that was fascinating. It is saying, guys, we don't have to, there are other ways to understand and to study the materials and there we go. We have a new story to tell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and myself, I, I have to be very uh, agree with Andrea. Uh, one of the most important or the most uh, incredible things that you find normally are not the, sa the, the simple object. Because, well, the object, it's like that. It's like the stories are behind that. And in that sense, well, I have the lucky of finding a lot of different cool things, you know, like big offerings with thousands and thousands of objects on top. But I think the the most cool thing that I found was uh, we are doing an excavation in a little cave in very deep in the country in, in Mexico. And, and we start to digging over there without many expectations. But at the very end, we start to figure out and to find some bones and some 
uh, little artifacts that it looks like very old and we didn't know for sure at that moment uh, how old those uh, those are. And at the very end, when we do the analysis at the laboratory, because everybody thinks that archaeologists is doing in the field, but... Uh, but for uh, but it's not true. We normally are at the laboratory. We're more laboratory guys than field guys, unfortunately. But uh, when we are doing these analysis, we found out these bones have like twelve thousand years old. Wow! And those are related to uh, extinct fauna from the Pleistocene, like a little like a little deers called Capromerix minors, and so it was. So amazing because in that area of Mexico, the the most older things are 6,000 years old. So we double the time that people are living on that place. So that's, for me, was incredible to think about that this single little unexpected find in this isolated cave gave us like... 12,000 years of history of human presence in this part of the Americas. So right. for me, that's super cool. Okay. That. So let me see if I understand correctly. It was, it was a type of deer, bones yes. from a type of deer. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it was found in a cave meant that it demonstrated that people, like they had either domesticated the deer or eaten it or... Well, no, no, no. They, well, first, uh, we do some uh, radiocarbon dating from the from the area. Okay. So we found that uh, that old thing. But this, it's a little dwarf a deer. It's a very, very small, even okay. even more like a dog, okay. kind of a big okay. dog. But okay. it's like, but it's a deer. But that deer get extinct when, when the place to send with the ice age, Ends, ah, okay. so it didn't. It didn't make it okay. to to our times. Okay. So and and those are these are uh, parts that have you know working man work on on those bones and another deer or regular deer bones, but also so they are eating these. Okay. So there are hunters and gatherers that lives in that area, okay. and probably they hunt these little uh, okay. these little deer uh, for. Having for lunch. <laughs> so you found the kitchen in that cave. Uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> Twelve-thousand-year-old kitchen. Yeah, Twelve-thousand-year-old yes. kitchen. Yeah. I feel like that would make a great reality TV show, right? Yes. <laughs> Let's cook in our twelve-thousand-year-old kitchen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's amazing. I mean, that truly is amazing. Um, and you know, to go with a kitchen, right? Where we always think about these modern day concepts that we have when we think about something that was 12,000 years ago. So how often are you thinking about the discoveries or the work that you're doing that may be 2,000 or 6,000 or even 12,000 years old? And how are, how often are you thinking about its its impact for today? What it could tell us about, you know, the way we live today, whether, you know, they're living differently than we are, or maybe there's similarities? Well, yes. Funny question, because I um, we have always heard that with history, we can change our present. If we know our history, we change our present. And somehow, in certain areas, it is true. But what I have seen in archaeology and in my studies so far is that we humans, we follow patterns, patterns behavior. And somehow 
we are linked to that way of uh, behavior that we cannot get disconnected. And I have seen like the connection and the social structure in civilizations here in the Near East. Now I'm learning with Jose Luis, um, you know, we're traveling around here in Israel. I've been uh, listening to him and things that I was forgetting about Mexico and our culture and our uh, traditions and pre-Hispanic civilizations. And I know that we follow patterns, but also our culture, our history is, there are like certain small things that make us do the difference. But I don't know if I am answering correctly the answer or... I'm starting to speak <laughs> randomly it's because... Helpful. It's helpful. <laughs> well, and, and maybe... So when you notice the patterns, do you notice them across time or do you notice them between different societies or is it both? In different societies and also in time. Okay. And geography is one important thing in how humans uh, develop. Uh, geography makes the difference in how we develop But we are always, uh, I mean, we are humans. We, yeah. we, it's, we behave almost the same because we are like the same species. So we do, our differences are attached to the geography and the way we see the world within that geography. But we follow a pattern because... It is what we, it is, it is us as humans. You cannot expect a different uh, behavior in an ant, um, uh, how do you call a uh, colonia de hormigas? Like an ant colony? An ant colony. <laughs> you cannot expect differences in an ant colony in China and in an ant colony in Mexico. They behave the same, but they have like different uh, resources, geographically, blah, blah, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And addressing that, but in in a different uh, perspective, I, I'm agree with Andrea about that. As a human species, we we behave, or we have some limitations that our body have, so and our perception. So in the past, and I think that's one of the things that that let us understand or try to approach the past. And I think that's very important because if we don't have that in mind, it will be impossible to do archaeology and imagine how people lived in the past. But also, uh, on your question, if we uh, take another look of that, archaeology, for me, it's a very present-day thing because, because we as an archaeologist always are thinking about questions and questioning the past whole time. But the questions are today questions. We are not looking for the old ones because we normally thought that the archaeologists try to solve that. And yes, we try to do that, but we are trying to do that in present days. So now one of the most uh, important fields, for instance, in archaeology is the gender studies, for instance. It's the identity studies. So mm -hmm. So the questions that are important for us in the present days, it's one of the questions that we did to the past. So with that in mind, it's very interesting because when we answered that questions in the past, we understand that questions today for us. Yes. So how people related each other, 
how gender works in different societies, how identity goes over there, how we have relationships with our landscape or our environment. So, you know, and, and that I think it's very, very interesting today. Okay. So there's kind of a fluid conversation happening between the way we think about society today and the way we investigate and understand societies from previous eras. Absolutely. In my okay. point of view, absolutely. Okay. It, it, it's impossible, I think, to think uh, that you are doing only uh, research of the people of the past. You are doing research of the people of today, thinking of the people of the past. Okay. Okay. <laughs> One thing that, um, so Jose Luis, you had a lecture yesterday, which I watched part of, um, and during it you mentioned uh, Diego Rivera um, yes. and how he <coughs> uses um, archaeology from Mexico in his art um, and Frida Kahlo, I believe, yes, as well, too, sure. does that. And and so there's also, speaking of the relationship between the past and the, the present, there's also a really interesting way in which archaeology is taken up by modern culture, um, whether it be by artists, whether it be by nations as well, too, to sort of talk about what our identity is. We look towards the past. Um, and so for you, what? Why do you think we do that? Why why is that important? Mm, well, once I was in an excavation and one archaeology told me that you cannot expect nothing from uh, people who do not take care of their own past. And by saying this, I understand that with archaeology um, or with history, we look for... Our traditions will look for our cultural identity because it is what we have been, it is what we are nowadays. Um, it's like an, uh, we are linked to experiences of our own people in the past and we are linked to something bigger than just being. We have histories to tell, we have Dia de los Muertos to tell. We are, I mean, you are linked to Michoacán Somehow that I am also linked to Michoacán, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and but I am also linked to the north northern part of Mexico and the traditions there because of my family. And if we look into the past of my family or Jose Luis families or your family, we are going into the past of societies that had like are super rich in culture in traditions, and they left material culture that we can study to do not forget from where we come. Okay, okay. So it's really about traditions and linkages and do we, do we ever look at those and try to recreate them to say something different? Yes, too? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that definitely. And, and also uh, very important things that we are talking about uh, yesterday in the lecture was a lot of the national states, for instance, have or try to become as unique with their own cultural identities. So in Mexico, and I think in Israel is the same, uh, it's very important 
for uh, for the people and for the culture to have this uniqueness of this of this uh, of this heritage. So this heritage also uh, let the artists like uh, Diego Rivera, like all the muralists in Mexico, to spread that word, to have that powerful message that we are like a new nation, we are a different country than the others, and we have this thing that unites us as a country. So, and that is, of course, related on the personal and the family traditions and and the different ways of see how things going in different places in in the countries but at the very end these ideas makes a whole thing and and they are very very important for the construction of these states for instance in the 19th and the 20th century okay so that to me is a really really interesting idea um and I feel like there might be a little bit of tension between these grand sort of um, imaginings that come from archaeology, whether it be to help build a nation state. And then part of the work that both of you do where you're looking at the particular as well, too. And you might be looking at different societies yeah. and the way that they do things differently. Um, so how do you how do you balance that or how do you think about the two things that sort of universalism or nationalism versus the really really particular that might be specific to one society but but not to other ones well uh, I think it's uh, it's it's a very good question because normally I think the way that archaeology thinks it's normally thinking in the small thing in the small question not in the big one. Mm -hmm. We are normally looking of how people lives in the past, but even how people thinks about the past and how they differently approach to their own world that they live. Because, you know, there are different ways to understand the world. The culture is exactly like this code that we have to approach to the world that it's outside there. You know, and and I think in archaeology, it's one of the, our major central questions to break that code and understand how people in the past do that. But in the meanwhile, archaeology is no ne neutral on that. So when you are doing that, of course, your research or your things goes in a different ways and being used in a different, broader bigger questions or they're including in these national nationalisms uh, of today. But I think the most important thing for us, it's how people live in the past and the other things, it's a little bit aside, but, okay. but you always okay. have to think about that. Okay. That that's part of your also of what are you doing? Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, Andrea, maybe I have a question for you because I'm also really curious because you have this knowledge of archaeology in Mexico, but you've been working here in Israel. Um, so as you've been working here, how does it shape your understanding of archaeology in Mexico, for instance? Well, interesting. Um, when I was studying in Mexico, 
I was studying, uh, I studied archaeology in Mexico and all our studies were about pre-Hispanic archaeology, which it is good because it is our heritage. But um, I, I wanted to know uh, something different. I mean, what I want to say is that we Mexicans, we are a mix of cultures. We are, yes, we have our pre-Hispanic heritage, which is It, it, it is amazing, but we have also the European uh, heritage, and that European heritage uh, is a part of, it, it evolved from the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire evolved from the um, Hellenistics, I mean, there were huge connections here in the Mediterranean, so we have philosophy, we have the Roman law, we have so many things that belong to this part of the, the world. And another thing, it's religion. In Mexico, uh, we are millions of Catholics and we are attached through a Catholicism to also the beliefs and the way of say, the religion, the Catholic uh, religion, The origins are from here. So I wanted to understand the history or the, the other part of our heritage, the European and the one that began in this part of the world. So I had the opportunity to come uh, and do excavations in Magdala. I wanted to see something different. I wanted to understand the other version that we have as Mexicans and It is like a very, very uh, hidden. So in here, I learned different uh, type of uh, archaeological materials that we do not have in Mexico because it makes sense. It's so different. But also in these uh, different archaeological materials, you can see patterns in behavior. So I like it. Um, so... I started to see that I super liked the way archaeology works here in Israel. The, um, it is very similar in Mexico, like the protection of the heritage is so important for our identity. And I said, this is it, this is what we need. We have to understand our own past to have a strong society, to be a strong society nowadays. In Mexico, we have to do it. We do not have to forget who we are and our heritage, our past that we can see and we can trace through archaeology. We have to preserve it. And here in Israel is the same. And all what I have heard or and what I have learned from my professors here, it's like amazing and stunning how we have to preserve and understand our own past. Okay. Jose Luis, would you agree with that? Well, yeah, well, I have to be agree with that, of <laughs> course. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the real uh, question on that is like, uh, of course, when you travel and see or you visit different universities, Like I have the opportunity to be in like, I don't know, like in China or Europe or in the United States. You always see like different types of archaeology, how people do archaeology. But 
and 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 what archaeology works for them so how they do or how they understand what they are doing and as andrea says i think i see so many connections I, i'm really amazed on that i i never imagined it's my first time in israel uh, but uh, but even the little time that i have here and talking with the colleagues here the students uh, the professors I think we have a lot more in common that we think. I think one of the bad parts of that it's like we didn't know each other. You know, we we live in a very different areas, very distant places and and I think we really don't know how archaeology for instance is doing here in Israel and how archaeology is doing in Mexico. So we have some like general things but when you start talking with the people here it's amazing that we are so much close that that we imagine so i think we have a great opportunity on that to collaborate and to as you said in the entrance of your podcast to be these international relationships this international understanding between different countries that in the first it looked like so different or the archaeology looks like so different but in the in 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 the in the very end the questions and the important things of that are the same okay so okay no that that is really interesting and i think um you know my understanding of archaeology is it is a very nationally embedded study yes And and so what does an international archaeology look like? That's a really really interesting question. Yeah, well, as 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 you as you said right now or we are talking on that like uh, I think science doesn't have boundaries. And at the very end we are like anthropologists. We are looking for how humans lives in the past. So there are no countries in that time. So we are just one species and and how this species behaves on time in different places in the world, I think it's our goal. So so at the very end, you know, it's it looks like very separated thing, but it's not at the very end. Okay. I like that. I have one final question for both of you, uh, because most of our conversation has been about us in the present looking back onto history trying to figure out what the lessons are so what if we flip that and what if we think about some of the peoples you've been studying and if they were to look in on us today two people from mexico one person from canada sitting here together in a studio at tel aviv university <coughs> what do you think they would make of it can you imagine well first it will be like we're looking what we have here in the room how 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 could the future archaeologists identify us uh, from the different countries i mean my english i need more coffee to improve my english today <laughs> but uh, what i want to say is they find us suddenly we couldn't ex escape they found us here they will study first our human remains they will say okay we have three uh, humans here very easy i don't know the physical anthropologists will identify the type of uh, humans that we were blah 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 
but the identity or the we are linked to another uh, region will be seen through the type of coins that you have in your pocket. They will say why, why this human has Mexican pesos. Um, you with a Canadian, so we can start with coins. If we have coins, uh, also what we have in our purses, in our bags, and they will say interesting. Three humans that doesn't that do not belong to this area were found in this room, and we can tell that they are from different places because of the type of well the clothes it's not helping today, but our personal items will will tell us okay we are different. So they would wonder, they would say, what were they doing together with, although maybe, maybe that'll be the common thing. You know, it's people all around the world from different areas meeting with each other these days, right? Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even, for instance, like new technologies could give us uh, very cool things. And I think for the new students that want to do archaeology, they have to think about that it's a very incredible field now because we have like very different ways to think about it. For instance, if we do in this uh, same case, if we do isotopic analysis uh, from you, we can know that in your bones, you're born in Canada. Wow. Yeah. So because, because we can know the geology of the water that you drink when you was a, very, uh, was a baby, so you okay. will be from Canada, you will be from Mexico, I will be from Mexico. But then we can sew another bones and do isotopic analysis and see that you are drinking water for the last years from Israel and you too. So we can know that you both are migrants, Okay. but I'm not okay. because my bones is still Mexican thing. So they say, why this guy is here? <laughs> He's right. not a migrant. What, do, what yeah. he's doing here? You we, know? we need to give you more local water. And exactly. <laughs> I, I need more local water, more, <laughs> more minerals for, for being Israeli <laughs> for well, the future. I have to thank both of you. Muchas gracias. It was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, I hope you have a really great time, your remaining time at Tel Aviv University and in Israel. Thank you thank very you much. Thank you so much. 